If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one of a kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Scared to Death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. You're Lindsay and I'm Dan. Whoa. Nailed it. You have a quick book announcement and then we are into the horror show. It's not that quick. Don't rush me. It's going to be 10 seconds. I'm like a real slow moving hippie now. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Dan and I saw Grateful Dead this past weekend. Dead and go. Easy. Ooh, okay. Sorry. Dead get the dead heads all riled up. I know. I know. I know. Wow. I know. Well, because I was thinking about Grateful Dead songs that I love, uh, yeah. and then I just, ah, I got my shirt on. We had travel woes. I've been living in the same clothes for two days. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm a chilled out hippie now. Yeah, there you go. I like okay, it. Okay, cool. So let's talk books, hippies. Uh, okay, so as a reminder, so when you hear this episode, make sure that you are just getting your phones out or however you set your alarms for all the important things in your life. So this Friday... July 21st at 12 noon Pacific time, the Annabelles will have first access to the pre-sale of the autographed books of volume four of Scared to Death. Then the following Monday, July 25th at 12 noon Pacific time, everybody will have access to the pre-sale of autographed books. The Annabelles, we've put 500 autographed books aside for you. The, the rest for, for those of you who want autographed books, there will be a thousand autographed presale books. And then the books will remain on sale, on presale, just unautographed. So you can get Annabelle autographed. You can get not an Annabelle autographed, or you can get just a regular old book, plain and simple. All of this is presale. I just want to make sure that we're super clear on that. So there's no confusion. 
Make sure you check out socials for any clarifying questions and the uh, episode description. And then also, if you are new or you just miss out on opportunities to get books one, two, or three, those are already going to be stocked in the store and ready to be shipped out to you right away. So if you need to complete a set or if, again, like I said, if you're new and you're like, oh my God, I have to build out my my set, this is your chance. So books one, two, and three will immediately be for sale uh, on Friday for the Annabelles and then Monday for everybody else. Woohoo! Does that make sense, y'all? I think so. I think so. Did I say and, it like and, slow enough? And you'll be sending out an email blast from the Bad Magic side, I'm sure, like or in Patreon. I, I, be, I won't. But Logan, Logan probably will. <laughs> Logan will. There'll be, there'll be information coming out. Logan also made an awesome graphic that was just on the screen while Lindsay was talking right beside her face. So they have oh, all the dates right there. Oh my God. Good job, guys. Because they're geniuses. And yes, there are, there's a post about it in Patreon already. So I've already gotten the messages. How do I find my password? Um, and uh, yeah, if you have any questions or concerns, you can let us know. Socials, emails, you know how to find us. Now, how many fan submitted horror stories do you have? I'll let you guess. Two. Three. Uh, Boom, you're wrong. I get oh, to punch been, you in the face. You've been all over. Two, three, four, sometimes one. I know. Whew, mm-hmm. We're really switching it up. Uh, I have a black-eyed child story. Black-eyed okay. children, black-eyed kids, whatever you uh-huh. like to call them. It is creepy AF. Mm-hmm. Then I have a great sleep paralysis tale. And then I have a haunted funeral home story. I like it. A little, like the variety. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, people do call uh, the black eyed kids different things. Typically B E K. Yeah, black eyed kids. kids. Mm-hmm. But but then when you're talking about them, a lot of people say like black eyed children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like weird because like B E K is the abbreviation, but but when I hear someone say it, I tend to hear children more than I hear kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I have one story today only. Whoa. Very whoa, rare. Whoa. For me, it's it's a big one, bigger than two of my normal stories combined. So I hope you like it. Sophie Evans found it, and it is a story unlike any other I've told so far here. Very strange. Very creepy and good. Uh, an interesting paranormal take on the ocean. Ugh. We're still discovering hundreds of new species oh, a no. year. Many coming from some of the deepest parts of the sea's mysterious depths. What strange paranormal monsters might reside way down there in the darkness? Oh my God, I don't like this because we're about to head out on a cruise. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. actually, oh my gosh. This is set on a cruise ship. Okay, And we're going to be kayaking across... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy. So get your cozy socks on and your blanket handy. Well, I did. Oh, shoot. I didn't pull it up high enough so you guys could see. All right, guys. So we're going to need everyone to comment on this. Like, I don't know if it's we're going to post on socials or you can just like send us emails. But TikTok only. What do you think? Whoa. Okay. TikTok it is. Tyler called it. TikTok only. Y'all, what are these socks from? What movie? What horror is this from? We, we were having debates here. We did some Googling, but... We're not quite sure. And the socks say... Uh, Looks like a nun, maybe. So maybe the nun or conjuring. Sister, please. I don't know. Sister, please. That's what they say. Uh, you ready? Yeah. Okay. There's no setup. So we're going to jump right into this one. Great. Love it. Time now for the tale of It Came From The Water. No. I never would have thought that the happiest day of my life would also be the worst. As I stood on the cruise ship's edge, watching my husband of 12 hours disappear into the ocean... <gasps> thrashing arms amid the churning white wake. Then, all of a sudden, nothing. I froze, unable to believe that this was my life. Twelve hours before, I'd also been unable to believe that this was my life for a completely different reason. Let me back up and start at the beginning. You can call me Jude. It's not my real name, but it's an old joke between me and my husband. We met almost four years ago this month at a karaoke bar where he was singing, Hey Jude, and not well. (laughs) Like he was singing it really, really badly. 
I could tell immediately that he was completely wasted, shirt untucked, tie loosened, throwing his head back to take yet another shot as the na-na-na-na swelled behind him. If you had told me then that I would end up marrying this guy, I would have given you a resolute hell no. I could tell from the first time I saw Rory that he was uninhibited, a social butterfly who made everyone feel like they'd known him for years, even if they'd only known him for a few minutes. I couldn't have been more different. I was a closeted guy in my mid-thirties, still trying to divest myself of the prejudices I'd grown up with in my small town. Growing up there, I knew that something was different about me. When the teacher in PE told girls to line up on one side and boys to line up on the other, I always wanted to line up with the girls. I couldn't seem to talk to guys about the things they liked, football, cars, and my dad always made fun of me for being, as he called it, sensitive. My solution was to blend in, to be quiet as much as possible. I rarely raised my hand in class, taking the F for participation when it meant I wouldn't get accosted in the hall by bullies. I kept my head down, focused on my schoolwork, dreaming of the day when I would escape to college, preferably somewhere in a big city. But trauma like that doesn't just disappear when you get out. In my larger college town, I still found myself afraid of sticking out. I made a few friends, but was still mostly a loner, still coming to terms with the fact that people I had crushes on were always men. Men I would never even dream of talking to. Hot baristas and guys at the gym, who seemed to me to be as straight as straight could be. I kept blending in throughout graduation, then on my first few jobs. When people asked about my personal life, I shrugged it off, saying I was focused on my career. And I was. I'd studied computer science in college and was quickly absorbed into the tech world of San Francisco, where long nights bent over a computer, even sleeping at your desk, was considered normal. And when I passed by clubs on my way home, where guys grinded against each other with big happy grins on their faces, I averted my eyes. I didn't think being out in the world like that was in the cards for me. But then one day, I saw my old bully on Facebook. Mike had been the worst of the worst. He'd never hesitated to tell me I was a freak who was going to hell before I even knew why he was telling me this stuff. But now on Facebook, I saw that Mike was engaged to a man. <gasps> Fuck it, I said out loud to my empty apartment. If Mike could get over his internalized prejudice, why couldn't I? Didn't I deserve to be happy, to have a partner, if that was what I wanted? That was, why, that was how I found myself at the karaoke club that night, nursing a gin and tonic, watching Rory perform like he was a combination of Elton John and Christina Aguilera. <laughs> He was so confident, tall, dark, and handsome with a slight Hispanic accent of some kind that gave him an adorable and exotic lisp when he thanked the crowd. Still, I wasn't going to say anything to him. It was my first night out. Baby steps. At least that's what I thought. Until I called an Uber home, selecting the rideshare button to save a couple of bucks, and the other person sharing the car was Rory. He held the door open for me like a gentleman, and I had to stare at the ground to keep from turning bright red. Why didn't you sing? He asked in the car. I'm not a singer. I said, laughing nervously. He peered into my eyes, somehow still perceptive despite his clear drunkenness. I just like to watch. I blushed at the innuendo, but Rory didn't seem to notice it. Ah, so you're a muse, Rory said, grinning. Some, somebody people write songs about. Nobody had ever said anything like that to me. And when we discovered we lived just two blocks away from each other, Rory asked me to get a drink. And the rest, as they say, was history. At first, I tried to convince myself that it was just a fling, something to get me started in this new world of dating. But as weeks and months passed, we started spending every night together, and my clothes started piling up at Rory's apartment. And when he proposed, on the third anniversary of the night we met, a simple proposal on his rooftop, as Hey Jude played on a speaker in the background, it was the easiest yes I've ever said. We dove into wedding planning, figuring that we would have a mid-sized ceremony. Lots of our friends, a.k.a. 
Rory's friends, who had now become my amazing community, and his family. I had some hesitation about inviting my own family, but Rory told me that it was the right thing to do, so I did. And my parents actually came. I would have never thought it possible, a housewife and a former high school baseball coach attending what was possibly the gayest wedding ever, officiated by drag queens and covered in a sizable amount of glitter, but they beamed and cried and applauded just like everyone else. And then they surprised us with a honeymoon cruise. Rory revealed that he had been in on it and he had helped make the preparations secretly for months now. I could have cried. I did cry. That whole night passed by in a blur, a happy blur. I could have never imagined when I was a scared, quiet kid. Two days after our wedding, we left on the cruise. Holy shit, that's a big boat. I said standing on the dock with the other tourists, many of them like us, couples in their mid-30s, though some older people too, and at least one family reunion. I looked up at the ship, unable to count the rows and rows of windows. It seemed to stretch on forever. Yeah, there's seven pools, hot tubs, a spa, pickleball courts, a full movie theater, a planetarium, kayak tours, escape rooms, Rory said, reading off a brochure, but I interrupted him. Uh, shame we won't get to do any of that, Rory frowned. Why wouldn't we? Because we'll either be in our, ca- because we'll be in our cabin for the entire two weeks. Rory grinned at me, his eyebrows waggling and planted a kiss on my cheek. With a sea breeze in our hair, the sun shining above, it felt like a good omen for the days to come. I could see us relaxing on deck chairs, disembarking on various islands for delicious tropical beverages, and okay, maybe going on a kayak tour. That sounded cool. Within a few hours, we were situated in our room and pulling out of the harbor. It was a beautiful room too, with a round bed and two windows, a big television, and a bathroom with a hot or with a tub big enough for two. Now we won't even need to go to the pool, Roy said, wrapping his arms around me from behind. I held up my phone and took a picture of us in the mirror. Our two beaming faces, Rory's arms holding me tight. I looked at it for a moment, feeling my heart swell with love, and then felt Rory pull me back across the room. It's beyond time for a drink, he announced, and I wholeheartedly agreed. Wait, Rory said as we left our room. You have your medication? In the rush of getting to our honeymoon, I had almost forgotten my penchant for seasickness. We discovered that when we'd booked a 4th of July fireworks boat ride and spent more time looking at the spray of my dinner on the deck than the fireworks above. Ironic then that my parents had gotten us a cruise. But this time I bought seasickness medication and was confident I could make it through the trip. I popped the pill and grinned, let's head out. We spent the first night familiarizing ourselves with the dizzying layout of the cruise. There were all the things Rory had read from the brochure and more, and having a drink at each bar until we were swaying a little and not because of the ocean. Should probably get to bed, I mumbled as the clock crept toward midnight. We want to be up early tomorrow, right? For the scuba diving tutorial? Hmm, Rory said, half paying attention. Look at the stars, me more. They're so beautiful. I looked up. They were beautiful. The sky a deep, inky black, stars swirling throughout. I could see the layers of the Milky Way, pulsing with light. It was hard to tell where the sky ended and the water began. Both of them a deep, unfathomable black. It made me shiver a little, being confronted with all that space, all that unknown. Let's go up to the observation deck. I bet the view's amazing from up there, Roy said. I yawned. But the scuba diving. We'll get plenty of sleep, Amorcito. Would you deny your new husband this? Playfully rolling my eyes, I allowed myself I allowed myself to be pulled along to the top deck, which was empty when we arrived. Just the wind whistling and the churn of the motor below to fill the silence. Look, Rory whispered. I looked up. The stars were beautiful. They were so much brighter than I would have ever thought possible. I could see the big dipper, the little dipper, Orion's belt. I think I see Uranus, Rory said and we both dissolved into giggles. Okay, that's enough, I decided. Wrapping my arms around Rory, 
Time for bed, lover boy. Just one more second, Rory pleaded. We never see this in the city. He wiggled out of my grasp and went to the railing, bending over to peer into the water. It's so dark down there, he said. We could be floating over a giant squid or a whale and we'd never know. For their sake, I hope we're not, I said, trying to hide the nervousness in my voice. The wind had picked up and I just wanted Rory to come back to our room. He could have grandiose ideas sometimes, like climbing up to an abandoned roof. Things that were fun, yeah, but dangerous. I'm just going to go see if there's anything up here, Rory said, hoisting his feet onto the railing and grasping the ceiling with his hands. If this roof weren't here, we could see everything. Rory, I shouted as the ship swayed, the wind picking up even more. Rory, come back down. Relax, Amorcito, he said, craning his neck as he tried to look up. Everything is fine. I saw what happened next in slow motion. His hands slipped. Rory tried to steady himself, and then his feet fumbled around the railing, shoes slipping, and he opened his mouth in a silent scream as he fell down, down, down into the water. Rory! I screamed. It was so far below, I could see his arms waving in the churning wake, and then suddenly, nothing. Rory! I couldn't stop screaming his name. I pulled an emergency lever on the observation deck, and suddenly alarms were blaring in my ear, but I wasn't paying attention. I was only looking at the water, at the space where my husband had been moments ago. The next hours were a blur. Later, I would only remember it in flashes. Me, crumpled on the observation deck, sobbing. Someone, I think a crew member, picking me up, showing me to the captain's room. The captain explaining to me that they had stopped and scoured the water for any sign of Rory, but found nothing. The current, he explained, could have pulled him in any number of directions. Or he began and then stopped. Or what? I said, now feeling entirely empty. I felt like I had been hollowed out, like whatever constituted my identity, my soul had just been destroyed. The blades of the propeller, he winced. They're very strong, sucking up water. A person wouldn't have much of a chance. I visualized Rory's last moments to plunge through the dark water, the force of it choking the air from his lungs, his attempts to stay afloat, trying furiously to paddle himself to the surface, the overpowering current pulling him towards the razor-sharp blades. The captain then informed me that they had already informed the Coast Guard, but that they were too far out to turn around, and it wasn't policy to end the entire cruise in the case of an accidental death. It was hard to imagine people doing what Rory and I should have been doing, sunbathing and swimming and eating delicious food, while he lay somewhere, or parts of him lay somewhere, at the bottom of the ocean. But the captain informed me I could take a plane back to San Francisco at the very next stop. From there, I would be able to notify our families, the families that had just come to celebrate us, and figure out the next steps. I nodded, his words refusing to lodge in my brain. Next steps? What did that mean? After that, somebody brought brought me to the infirmary infirmary, where I was given a Valium and then shown back to my room by a crew member. The Valium quickly took over and I passed out into a dreamless sleep. When I woke up, it was sunny. The first thing I saw were Rory's things. A couple minutes later, a crew member knocked on the door and informed me that once we were on the mainland, in about 45 minutes, I would be escorted to the airport. At some point, I felt the vibration of the gangway descending and knew we'd reached land. I could hear people outside in the hall chattering on and on about the fun stuff that they were going to do while I stuffed my dead husband's thing inside a suitcase, loaded the suitcases onto a dolly, and left the room for what I thought was for good. The crew member ushered me and the dolly down a gangway, and I spotted a car waiting for us in the distance, incongruous amongst the white uh, white sand beaches and the pastel-colored umbrellas. Jude! Hey, Jude! Confused, I turned around, thinking I'd left something on the boat, and that's when I spotted him. Rory. He was standing on the beach, 
in the outfit he'd been wearing the night before, looking as alive and vibrant as ever. His clothes weren't even wet. There wasn't a scrape on him. I'm going insane, I thought to myself. I had truly cracked up. Watching him jog up the beach towards me, I could only think that I would most likely be spending the rest of my life in a mental hospital, passing the hours with sedatives and TV. Jude, there you are. You were scaring me terribly, he said, wrapping me in a crushing hug. I couldn't find you all night. Did you get lost? What? I thought that my hallucinations were really outdoing themselves. I could actually feel the pressure of Rory's arms around my shoulders until I realized that the crew member was looking at both of us. Um, he said, clearly trying to be professional. Is this your husband? I I am, yes, Rory said before I could say anything. Words were still coming slowly, my thoughts creeping along at a snail's pace. Rory was alive, I thought. He was alive. But how? The husband that you reported dead, the crew member said slowly, skepticism laced into each word. He clearly thought I was insane, but Rory's grip on my shoulder tightened and he jumped in again. Mia Moore, did you report that something had happened to me? A brief pause and Rory slapped his forehead. I know what must have happened. Jude gets seasick and we ended up, well, drinking a lot last night. He smiled in a bashed grin. Maybe there was some poor reaction with the medication and the alcohol. (laughs) We won't repeat that again. I blinked. Suddenly, everything that Rory was saying seemed, if not true, at least possible. Had I gotten blackout drunk and imagined the entire thing? Spent the night wandering the cruise ship in a daze instead of sobbing my eyes out? But I was so sure I'd seen what I'd seen. As though sensing my thoughts, Rory's hand tightened on my shoulder. That must have been it, I said automatically, too exhausted to try and question what was going on. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe all of that happened because of me. I've seen weirder things happen, the crew member shrugged and said he'd take our suitcases back to our room. Rory gave him a wide grin, slipped him 20 bucks, and when he disappeared, I turned to my husband. You still want to go on the cruise? He frowned. It was a bad night, my love, but why not? Why not? I can think of several reasons. Because I just had the worst thing happen to me, or thought I'd had the worst thing happen to me, that I could ever imagine, and I was still shaky, my nerves fried, because I was now in no mood for a tropical vacation. Because part of my mind kept replaying the moment where he dropped off the ledge, every one of my senses confirming what had happened. The smell of the salt water and the sickly wet slap of Rory's shoes on the railing. The feeling of the wind in my face whipping away my screams. It was all there. Could it have not been real? I had two options. One was to accept that I'd gone a little bit crazy or something, but that my beloved husband wasn't dead. The other was to acknowledge that what I'd seen was real and that what was happening now was terrifying. You probably know which one I chose. Okay, I said shakily. You're right. Maybe something good can come out of this. He chuckled his hand going to my chin, clucking lovingly. Trust me, we'll have a great time. And then I caught a strong smell of something. Rory's skin usually smelled to me like a mix of winter spices, smoke, and the slight undercurrent of a human smell I could never describe. Something deep and viscerally appealing. But what I smelled now was different. Instead of the warm smell I was used to, the smell was cold and damp like mold, something slightly fishy about it. The briny smell had the slight tang of vinegar and something underneath, something not quite human. But then that smell passed us and Rory was looking down at me with the same goofy smile I'd always known. It was just the smell of the ocean, relax, I told myself as Rory steered us towards a beachside bar. I think we both could use a drink, he said cheerfully. And I took a seat, trying to calm my shaky nerves. Relax. The worst hasn't happened. Then, for some reason, my brain added, yet. For the rest of the afternoon, Rory and I wandered the tropical island. I was still pretty out of it, and Rory was being more attentive than I'd ever remembered. He'd always been a loving guy, but a bit absent-minded. 
It could slip his mind that you might want to sit down after a few hours of walking or that you might need a sip of water. Not this time. He let me lean on his arm, guided me to nice places to sit, offered me water, combed my hair back from my sweaty forehead. Why, why are you doing this? I blurted out once we'd settled on some deck chairs back on the ship. Even being on the ship made me woozy, a combination of the fact that it had been the location of my longest panic attack ever and because I could no longer take my seasickness medication. Back in our room, Rory had swiftly tossed it out, practically before I could say anything. Rory looked up from his paperback novel. Why am I doing what? You're... I started not knowing how to finish. You're being really nice to me. His brow furrowed. Am I not always nice to you? You are, I started, and then I stopped. Am I not always nice to you? For some reason, it didn't sound like a rhetorical question. It sounded like a genuine inquiry. Am I not always nice to you? Like Rory genuinely didn't know. But I had no time to pursue that thought. Rory was looking expectantly at me. His eyebrows raised a concerned expression on his face. No, 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 you are, I said hurriedly. Sorry, I I guess I'm still pretty out of it. Poor thing, Rory clucked. Let's get you some dinner, me more. I let him guide me to the massive dining room where couples and families were busily grabbing food at the buffet, their sunburned faces exhausted yet excited to be in a place of so much luxury and excess. As I pulled up to the buffet, I saw that there was a towering shrimp cocktail, a roast beef, a rack of lamb, and just about every fruit known to man, huge trays of french fries and mozzarella sticks. And when I got back to the table, I noticed something odd. Rory's plate was empty. Not hungry? I asked. Rory made a face. Not my kind of food, he said flippantly, but I got the feeling that he was scanning my face waiting for a confirmation, a confirmation that would not come, because Rory loved food. He would try anything, from the most expensive gourmet dinner to regional fast food chains. He loved all of it. In fact, the food had been one of the things that Rory had been most excited about when it came to the cruise. Okay, I said slowly. Are you sure you don't want anything? Just a little snack? We were walking around a lot today. You must be hungry. Rory jumped in almost as soon as I was finished with my sentence. Oh, yes. I just, uh, I, I, I saw a waiter pick his nose before he put down a plate. Made me lose my appetite. I didn't want to tell you because, you know, you need to get strong again. But I'll go get something, okay? I stared at him as he walked away towards the buffet. None of this quite added up. We all have days with our spouses or partners where we find out something new about them. Something that seems completely opposite to who we thought they were. But that's usually one thing. One weird detail. And then they explain it and you move on. But it seemed like Rory was getting everything I knew about Rory wrong. For my years pretending to be some, or from my years pretending to be someone I wasn't, I had developed quite a good bullshit meter, and it was ringing alarm bells, loud and clear now. But why would Rory be lying to me over and over on the second day of our honeymoon? Unless, unless this wasn't Rory. No, no, I told myself, that was insane. This had to be Rory. What other explanation was there? As I watched him select foods from the buffet, things nobody would get, like one french fry. I had to think the thought that I'd been forbidding myself from thinking. What if Rory had gone into the water and something else had come out? I'd lost sight of him and was now trying to find him in the crowds of tourists. Oh, I'd lost sight of him and was now trying to find him in the crowds of tourists. Everywhere I looked, I thought I saw his dark hair or his turquoise blue shirt, but it turned out to be someone else every time. Come on, Rory, I thought to myself, come on, where are you? A hand clamped down on my shoulder. Everything okay? Rory's smooth voice broke to my thoughts and unthinkingly, I sagged back into his touch. As my head leaned back into his body, I tried to hold on to my suspicions, but feeling him against me was just so damn nice. It turned my thoughts into jelly. Yeah, I muttered. Everything's fine. He put his plate down on the table, scanned my face, and then stood up, offering me the hand. You know what? I think this is a night for room service. We should take it easy. You've had a hard day. That was another thing. 
I thought as we walked back to the room, why did Rory keep insisting that I had had a hard day, when as he said it, he'd spent the night looking for me in a panic? The Rory I knew would not hesitate to say that I had put him through some shit. He was direct like that. But speaking of being direct, I thought, as I walked down the hall, Rory's footsteps on the muffled carpet behind me, if I truly thought something was going on with my husband, shouldn't I just ask him? We'd been through enough fights to know that almost everything boiled down to communication. I swiped the key card, the button on the door flashed green, and I pushed it open. Hey, Rory, I started twisting to look behind me, and then everything went black. When I woke up, I was laying in bed, my head aching like I had a hangover from hell. I had been changed in my pajamas and tucked in, and there was a glass of water on the bedside table. Next to it was a note. Me more. As soon as we got back to the room, you passed out. Maybe you're having a worse reaction to these medications than we thought. I'm headed to the pharmacy to see if there's anything that, that could help you. I love you very much. XOXO R. Rory? I called just in case he'd gotten back and was in the bathroom, but there was no response. I was trying to remember what had happened before we'd gotten back to the room. I could remember being in the dining hall, Rory saying we should head back to the room, and then my memory just stopped. Fuck it, I said out loud. I had to figure out what was going on. Even though I still felt weak, seasick, underfed, I had to figure out what was going on. This is my fucking husband, I thought to myself. Why had I gone to the trouble of coming out and being in a relationship and getting married if I wasn't going to fight for it? I stood up, jammed my feet into a pair of shoes, grabbed my key card, and headed out. As soon as I left the room, an overpowering smell hit my nose. A deep smell of rotting fish. Like I had somehow stepped out of my room and into a processing plant. It was a smell of fish guts, seaweed baking in the sun, deep, salty rot all rolled together. As I walked down the hall, the smell got stronger. When I came to the end of the hall, I could sense that the smell was getting more concentrated to the left. It got stronger in front of the door to the service hallway, which led to a hallway that was on the side of the ship, in the open air, and then down a staircase. How did the smell manage to linger in the breeze like that? And then finally, as I made it onto some kind of loading area, illuminated in the twilight by weak overhead lighting, I saw all around me boxes of fruit and pallets of water. It must have led to the kitchen. This area of the boat was so unlike what tourists saw. Puddles of muddy water on the ground, walls streaked with some kind of grime. I was so busy taking in my surroundings and wondering where the hell I was that I didn't notice the sound at first. It was a snuffling sound. No, that wasn't it. A sound like someone chewing loudly, except that wasn't it either. It reminded me bizarrely of the sound of a dog eating spaghetti. That wet, slurpy sound of something trying to eat without the proper equipment. I rounded a stack of crates and gasped. On the other side of the loading area, Rory stood, his back facing mine. The smell was overpowering. It made my eyes water, but through the blur I saw the pile of fish in front of him. The guts splayed out, the eyes frozen. Around him a puddle of water tinged a deep red. With claw-like hands, he grabbed a fish, rearing his head back to place it in his mouth. There was a gagging sound, and he pitched forward, then grabbed the fish with his front teeth and shook it like an animal until chunks of fish went flying. Once it had been sufficiently mangled, he reared his head back, and the fish slid down his throat. What the fuck? No, 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 no. I thought to myself, no, no, this couldn't be happening. This was not happening. I was going crazy. That had to be it. But at the same time, I knew it had to be happening. My husband was taken from me, and this thing was in his place. Think, I urged myself. Think what to do but I could only look at the creature in front of me, the creature that looked like my husband but wasn't, the creature that was now distending its jaw to slurp up a handful of fish, some of them still wriggling weakly, the sick crack of their bones echoing off the cement walls. Just get out of here, I told myself. Then I could figure out what to do. Then I could... But as I stepped back, my foot hit a puddle of water and I slipped, my elbow knocking into a crate with a sound that resonated like a gunshot. Immediately, Rory's head snapped up, twisting around in a way I would have thought impossible. Now I could see the guts and blood dripping down the front of his shirt. 
and that his shirt was not getting dirty like his shirt did. It should have been caked in that stuff, but it remained resolutely flawless, and when Rory now took a thundering step towards me, I noticed that the socks on his feet didn't sag. There wasn't a gap between his shirt sleeve and the arm he was now raising at me. He wasn't wearing the clothes. They were part of him, fused to him. As our eyes locked, Rory let out a guttural yell and scrambled towards me, but it was slippery enough for me to slide back, wrapping myself around the staircase before I hoisted myself up and took off at a run. I had to get out of there. I ran through the hallway. I'd just come down, taking turns by random, trying to think of anywhere I'd be safe. But where was there to go on a cruise ship? I couldn't hide. He would always find me. I could hear his footsteps lumbering behind me, but now they didn't sound like they had before. It was like the overlaying sound had fallen away, and now I could hear what had been underneath it the whole, the whole time, a rough slogging sound. Just like the sound of him eating, it sounded like he had the wrong equipment, like he wasn't meant for a life on this side of the water. But I could also hear him gaining on me. I turned several corners before I found myself, maybe from muscle memory, on the very top observation deck, the deck where Rory had just fallen a day ago, and I froze. With the wind whipping around me, swallowing up the sounds from below, I finally had a moment to think, and I wondered, what if I was the crazy one? What if I had just hallucinated whatever I saw and was now about to attack, maybe even kill, the man who I'd loved and and who I'd supported for so many years? As I stood on the deck, I could almost hear Rory's voice. I love you, Mimor. You know I love you. I always will. What if the psychotic break was a manifestation of my own worst fears, my propensity to self-isolate and believe that I wasn't worthy of love, come to life? But that's when I saw it. I'd missed it the night before, maybe because it had been too dark. On the side of the ship, on a little balcony-type area, was a single shoe. Rory's shoe. It must have slipped off when he fell. And now I knew that whatever was coming after me was not Rory. Rory was gone somewhere deep in the ocean. A wild groan ripped through the air behind me. Something like a lion's roar combined with a whale's bellow. Something primordial. I spun around and saw Rory standing in the doorway, except he changed. Before, he'd been a convincing replica of a human being, minus the clothes. Now, it seemed, he had started to shed all of the things he didn't need. As I watched, he bit off a fingernail savagely with teeth. Did he have several rows of teeth? And where the fingernail was, was an inky black patch of skin, wet like a sea creature's. He took a thundering step towards me and kept clawing, tearing off an ear which fell to the floor like a limp prosthetic, leaving a patch of black skin in its place. It kept lumbering towards me as I scrambled away, but on the observation deck, there was nowhere to go except around and around in circles. And that's when it hit me. At first, I thought that the creature was merely trying to kill me. But now, as it began to shed its skin, Rory's skin, in large flakes, I understood. It was going to use me as its next disguise. I'd given it too much trouble to pretend to be Rory. But with me, well, who would think to check if I was acting weird? Who would pay close attention to my behaviors? Who would wonder if I had abruptly stopped showing up to places or moved? That was it. I stood up, grabbing onto the top railing, the same one Rory had held onto before he fell, and squeezed my eyes shut, praying for strength. Either I would make it out of this or... I thought I would be reunited with Rory. I swung my feet out like a gymnast, hitting the creature in his solar plexus. With a muffled oomph, it staggered backwards, its arms slipping off and becoming limp tubes. Now I could see there was essentially a giant tube with wet, oozing appendages at the bottom. Instead of a face, all it had was a mouth, rows of teeth as far back as I could see. It reared back and let out a scream, then dove for me again, but I was already swinging out of its range. One good kick, I thought, one good kick, and I could send it over the edge, back to where it had come from. But to do that, I had to stay still, to bait it into coming for me. Every muscle in my body screaming in protest, I stayed put, my hands beginning to slip on the railing. One, the creature was getting up, rearing its head back again, poised to strike. Two, my hands slipped and I felt myself move down. 
three. The creature dove for me again, and I swung my feet out, catching it directly in the head, and it flew backwards and over the ledge, disappearing, its last howl of pain swallowed up by the sound of the ship's engines. I dropped to my feet unsteady. I heard a high wheezing sound, and then, after a moment, realized it was me. I was the one that was wheezing. I still had so many questions, so many emotions swirling inside of me, from the deepest grief to the greatest gratitude that I still had my life. But the first thing I knew I had to deal with was how to get the fuck off this cruise ship. I would end up doing that at the next stop, flying home, and then figuring out how to rebuild my life, the life I thought I would spend with Rory. I know he would have been proud of me for how I fought, and even prouder that unathletic me had managed to kick that creature in the face. Eventually, I started dating a new guy, and we would get married several years later. He never minded that I had to be alone on the anniversary of Rory's death, or that sometimes I would pull up that last picture of Rory and me, our arms wrapped around each other in the cabin, and stare at it for what felt like hours. Someday I'd tell him, I'll tell him what had happened, or what happened. Someday all of my eccentricities will make sense, like having a code word only the two of us know to check if we're the real us, or how I run my hands over his body, not in a sensual way, but to check if he still has a human heartbeat and a warm mammal skin. I know he thinks I'm weird, but I'll never stop being on the lookout. Because how many people have a few too many teeth or skin that seems just a little rubbery or eyes that seem less human and more animal? I've seen at least a couple. Never a member of my own family, thank God, but just people we've passed on the street. Do those people also disappear for a little while, then come back just a bit off? I swore a former coworker wasn't the same when she came back from her trip to Paris. I quit that job soon thereafter. Am I crazy now? Wouldn't you be? If what happened to me happened to you, please, if someone comes back from somewhere and they don't seem quite right, pay attention. Don't just write it off. Something might have taken their place and it might want to take yours next. The fuck? Isn't that a weird story? I like cried a few times. (laughs) Yeah. I was like so attached to to them. (laughs) I don't know. It was terribly sad. Yeah, I mean, if you take like, out if you take out the paranormal stuff and just yeah, it's, it's incredibly just, sad. Such a sad story. <laughs> I was like, I don't True. care for this at all. <laughs> I was like, we're going on this family trip for Kyler's senior yeah. trip, and I'm oh like, God. oh God, child, please don't go over the edge. Yeah. It, okay, I have to say that is such yeah. a real fear of mine. Going over the edge on a cruise ship. Yes. Okay. When I was younger, uh, me too, actually. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, because I mean, that's one of my worst fears is, is, is drowning, and I've always been skittish about the ocean. Yes, and way out in the ocean when <sighs> the sea is just deep and dark and full of mystery. No, thank you. Like, like some people would like jump in, like swim and stuff. Uh, it's the only time in my life consistently, and I experienced it with you actually when, when we went to Greece, and one time years ago in a comedy thing in South Africa when I tried to like scuba dive. Yeah, and I start to shake. When I try to snorkel, Did that happen to you in Greece? Just a little bit. Like I'll start to like, like my breath gets weird. You just get freaked out. And it's like, but it's it's funny. Like I won't even sense it coming always, and my body just reacts. Yeah. Like I don't even feel off my head. That's a panic attack. Yeah, and it's that's the only place that gives it to me. I don't get weird about tight spaces, heights, that kind of stuff. I mean, heights, I'll get like shaky. Yeah, I get shaky. We go zip lining. Like I'm like, oh, just because it defies what yeah. what is what I know to be safe. Yeah. Even though ultimately I know it's as safe as it can be. But there's that moment of like, if this line snaps, Oof. I'm a freaking goner. But that's way less scary to me than dark water. And specifically- because yeah, you can't see it coming. Yep, dark ocean water. Like dark lake water freaks me out sometimes. So I'm like, <laughs> I know, but I'm it's like, really funny. But I'm like, there's no real creatures like Rash I know. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is in the ocean. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, and I think that like, 
I feel as though I've read somewhere that more people die falling off cruise ships than what? is reported. Like they don't, I mean, it's bad I guess publicity. Not publicize it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it's generally like, you know, some ding dong drunk thinking, you know, like just making bad choices. <sighs> now, and, we'll have to, now we're going to have to have a talk with Kyler. Yeah. Be and, careful. Not the place to be a daredevil. I like that we're like, we have to have a talk with Kyler. Not worried about Monroe. <laughs> Gotta have a talk with Kyler. Well, he's the one in, in that phase right now. That he thinks he's invincible. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Mr. I go free climbing. It's like, you've been rock climbing for like a month. You don't free climb shit, you moron. Well, and I was the same. What scares me is I see myself. Yeah. And when I was like a teenage boy, I would do the dumbest stunts. Yeah. Just to like, check out what I can do. Yep. And just do stuff like run and jump off a roof into literally three feet of water. Yep. But like dive head first. Yeah. (laughs) Trust me. I was the girl that hung out with those boys. Yeah. And, and it is just, um, I mean, there is a part of it that is kind of like, beautiful and innocent I just know. that like the the what do they call it? like you're infallible yeah you know like you're invincible is just really the word i want like you just that's part of youth just don't do it on the cruise ship oh He's man be hanging out with a bunch of kids don't fly off the rail it's like oh my gosh no you no. won't you won't you won't he won't he won't but i mean that is scary when i was a kid okay so like we all know that i grew up poor yeah but like one family vacation that we were able to take was that my mom's boss owned oh, yeah, Cape, a home Nantucket. In, in Nantucket. I was going to say Cape Cod, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I get it. So we would drive and then you would get on the ferry and you would go over. So all we had to do was like get there and yeah. pay for food, right? Yeah. And on the ferry, and I think that this is like, um, I forget what this is called, but it's it's a like a, sort of like looking at a bad car wreck or just like wondering what will happen. I would take like, you know, something and like dangle it over the edge of the ferry boat. Yeah. Because you can't really understand the distance from where you are to the water. It's just so vast. Yep, yep. yep. And I took my little stuffed animal and I just- Oh yeah, and I know this. I hung him over the side. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. But I just remember watching it and then from that point on, I was like, oh man, that could be me. That's so scary. And so from that point on, like large ships or- I don't know. Just <sighs> just anything that I think I can fall out of, then I'm yeah. I'm terrified of. I have like a s- slight fear of heights as well. God, I I don't I just think about like my fear is like I would fall into the water and some fucking monster thing would be like shark, like real thing or imagined thing. Yeah. That's what's scary to me about the ocean. There's so many real things. Yeah. It's like some whale that wants nothing to do with me, but it's gigantic and it just pushes me too far into the water where I can't get back up. Or some giant yeah, squid. It's just like playing with you. tentacles. Or a shark. <laughs> There's so okay. many things. Okay, well, if, okay, here's the thing. If I fall into the ocean, yeah. I, I kind of, wait, wasn't there a guy who recently just got swallowed by a whale and spit back out? I'm not kidding. I don't, I didn't hear that story. Uh, yes, it was like a, it was actually uh, like a, a, two girls were kayaking and got swallowed in what? by a whale. Yeah. And lived? Yeah, it like spit him back out. No way. I think there was a solo guy too. Or maybe <sighs> maybe oh I have this wrong. True story. True story. Orcas, killer whales. Yeah. They've been attacking boats in the Mediterranean. I'm not even they've been capsizing them. They, I know. they ram them, schools of them. I know. Okay, do you want to hear a funny story? What? Uh, you know, fuck Jerry, that Instagram account. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you see the dolphin video? Anybody see this? It is knocks out the surfer. Oh yeah. my yeah, that, god, that, that's funny. Stand up paddleboarder. Stand-up I was paddleboarder. in tears. Body checks laughing. him and just knocks him off. Off you go. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I've seen that thing. And then I recently saw- as, But being, having your boat rammed and, and capsized, that's, yeah. that's a horror movie. Yeah. Are they are those people dying? Uh, I don't know if anybody's died yet. I don't know if they've gotten lifeboats. But, but they think what happened is like those things are so smart that there was like, they 
supposedly have been able to trace the behavior to one. I don't know if like she got hurt by a ship or something, but oh. one started doing it first. And I guess there's like the oceanographers, not oceanographers, but like people like uh, animal oh my people, gosh. S- scientists who study the the marine biologists. biologists. Thank you. Logan said it. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> All together now. <laughs> the marine biologists who uh, track these things, they, they, she had, she's a named orca or whatever. Yeah. And they think- Like one I, that they like probably yeah. have a tracker in so and that I, they can study. I can't remember exactly what happened to her, yeah. but she taught her pod to do this. And then it's spread now to other pods. No way. So they're like, this is actually kind of scary because they're teaching other ones to attack ships. So I wonder- and this is terrible. Yeah. Are they going to try and put that? I don't know what they're going to do. No. Down? I well, mean, I guess the damage is too done now. Yep. No. That's wild. There was, I just saw like a, I didn't read the article. I just saw a headline of like some guy, I don't even know where, but he was maybe in his kayak or on the side of like in a small fishing boat. And he like put his hands in the water to like wash oh, his no. hands and a shark. What? I don't, I didn't. It didn't sound like he lost a hand, but it sounded like a shark either like went by him or gave him like a little like nibble. Oh. Like it was like, but it was just kind of a moment of like, what are we all doing here? Man, that, that's ridiculous to think about. You like wash your, wash your hands off in the water and a shark just like takes your hand off. I mean, you know, people have lost arms and stuff. Like that one surfer, like the girl in like Hawaii, when she was like yeah. paddling on her surfboard, I believe yeah. that's how it happened. And it just like came by and just like, yeah, I'm just going to rip your arm off. Well, it is like- They're just, they're just hungry. They're just hungry. You're just like, it's not- Your food. Yeah, I say it's, it's just a circle of life kind of thing for them. And also, I mean, where we live, you know, there's a lot of hunting. And then yeah. we talk about, you know, uh, growth and development of communities and we take away their natural habitats. Yeah. And I don't really know a lot about the ocean in terms of, has it been studied or what are the studies that are out there that say like, and now we've imposed ourselves onto ocean life. Like we're not supposed to be out there the way that we are. Just like we say, like yeah. we shouldn't be tearing down sure, rainforests and all that. Well, yeah. I just don't know it from like that. I know it from a hunting, like yeah. dry land. There's overfishing, right? there's different things. Overfishing, yes. But yeah. I'm talking about like, you know, cruise ships are not supposed to be out there. Right. They're actually like, I mean, I'm kind Did of embarrassed. Pollutants? Yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed that we're going on a cruise, but... um. They're just so bad for the environment. I mean, I don't know if they're worse than airplanes. Yeah, I don't know that they're any worse. Yeah. I hear that they're pretty bad. Um, I hear that they're actually the new ones are good because they figured out how to run on fish food. They like have these new engines that just like instead of putting out like totally. exhaust or like that, yeah, they just no, put out definitely. The, the little fishy flakes. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Idiot. So they help the ocean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just wonder like, are we overusing the ocean for. Uh, I don't think so. For tourism and, and all these different things. So now are like, have we threatened their environments where it's like, well, clearly something happened to this orca. Right. It's I don't know. Back, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, and what about that thing of like hundreds of species are still being discovered, like generally down in, in the depths. I have some, okay, no pictures were attached to the story. Yeah, let's just some get random back on. Claim. Sorry guys, we got a little off. But check out, this is some creepy ocean shit. Deep ocean <gasps> stuff. <laughs> what the frick frack is that? I'll tell you. Okay, I wrote is, this stuff. Is that like a ocean version of Penny and Dee Dee? <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's Dee Dee. <laughs> Dee Dee the bottom dweller. This is a... Tele- kind of cute. <laughs> this is a telescope fish. They live 500 to 2,000 meters down in the water. And, and they're really small. They're like 20 centimeters long. It's so cute. Okay, see if you think this next one's cute. Probably not. My ears itch. <laughs> Oh my, okay, that thing is creepy. Now, what ang- is that? That's an anglerfish. An anglerfish. That, that version can grow up to a little over three feet long. Um, way down in the deep. And they have this little like thing that pops off that little off top of their forehead. <laughs> unicorn. 
It's like a, it's a unicorn. It's fish. like a little lure that'll attract other little fish. Uh huh. And then they just chomp them. It's like they have a little fishing pole attached to their head. That kind of reminds me of a monkfish. Huh. Okay. Have you ever seen a monkfish? Uh, yes, but I can't remember what they look like. Hideous and also delicious. <laughs> Check out this next one. This is a deep sea one. Okay. What do we got? Blah. That's a dragonfish. They're tiny. 50- Wait, what is coming out of it? Oh, that's like, uh, I think. That I, like I don't an know. antenna? I don't know actually what that part is uh, under its jaw, what you'd call that. But it's a uh, 15 to 25 centimeters in length. So another little one. This next one's quite a bit bigger. Its teeth look so creepy. Oh, what is that creepy guy? Is he a shark? Yep. That's a frilled shark. Frilled. And they live on the ocean floor and they grow between six and seven feet in length. Its teeth are so bizarro. Uh-huh. Weird looking teeth. Here's this next one that shows more of its body. Same kind of frilled shark. Oh my God. That's like some weird serpent, like Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's like, like a monster. It's like uh, like it's coming up and out. And then this, and then these pictures, uh, by the way, it just also looks a, a little while. bit like a wiener. <laughs> it does look like a wiener. Uh, <laughs> at Scared to Death on Instagram and Facebook. And then this um, last picture is not a creature. This this picture just creeps me out. It's some diver heading into a pitch black hole oh. on the ocean floor. No, thank you. Okay, so would you ever swim with sharks? Nope. I know. I Okay, when I was younger and braver, I yeah. totally would have. It was something I was super interested in. I really thought that at some point in my life, I would like get scuba certified. Oh. I was so into that idea. And then just one bad experience in the ocean where I just got my butt kicked and I yeah. like got kept getting pulled out in the riptide. Oh, yeah. That was enough for me to be like, okay, I guess I don't go past like my waist anymore. <laughs> I that was yeah. now for some people that's not a big deal, but for me that was just that's it. It was over. And I had like grown up yeah. in Ohio, but so like you would go like to the East Coast for yeah. beaches and I loved it. I thought the jellyfish were so beautiful, no uh, matter how many times they stung me. And I yeah. I envision like cribbing somewhere, like being comfortable with water. I want a reef situation that's like a whole wall that yeah. keeps out all the big critters. <laughs> and then there's like, and then it can be like whatever. It can be 10, 15 feet deep in this basically. I want ocean, quote, but really like a giant swimming pool. Isn't with that cool fish in it? Don't they do something like that in Australia where they have like a drop, like they've yeah, the dropped coral reef out there? Yes, the coral reef. But I think that they've also the Great Barrier Reef, sorry. I think they've also dropped like a like a fencing to keep sharks uh, out of That sounds familiar. I'm not totally sure if that if that does sound familiar. I know that there are some beaches in Australia that are really good for surfing and swimming, but also Shark Fair. attacks are actually low everywhere. Even the, the places I where know. there's the most attacks, it's still but rare. Still. But there are, I've seen like those aerial photos yeah. when they have like the drone or whatever going over the You just video. see like the heat map? <laughs> it's terrible. No, not even the heat map where you can see, it's just oh. the water so clear. You see a bunch of people on surfboards and swimming and then a bunch of big ass sharks amongst them. Nope. I'm just not that cool. I'm not that no brave. No way. Way too much of a weenie. I know. And I know rationally, like if, if they Doesn't bit matter. people all the time, Doesn't people matter. wouldn't be on that beach. Doesn't matter. I know. Still no thanks. When I was in high school, uh, I went on spring break to Florida with a girlfriend, Danielle. Uh, Her family had a condo down there. And there was one day that we were like, uh, you would like come to like the like community beach or whatever. And there was a pier and you could like go down in. And her mom or her grandma was like, do not, do not be dumb. Do not go in there. Like stingrays all the time, all the time. We were like, yeah, 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 yeah. We were like 16, 17. Sneaking booze, smoking a little weed, totally. got in the water, and then Danielle was up. So we were like, we were like, okay, one of us will go in at a time. And she was like, Lindsay, I need you to very calmly swim to the ladder. And there was a massive fucking stingray like oh my next to me. I've been yeah. headbutted by turtles in the water. Ay, ay, ay. 
R.I.P. Steve Irwin. I know. I thought of that too. Like Stingray oh. got him after all those years. I know. What a sad way to go. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. Ooh, enough like oceanography oh, stuff that I just don't know. I don't. The ocean freaks me out. Are, are you uh, Are you ready to move away from the ocean now and tell your tales? I mean, I I think it's time to get onto dry land. Before Lindsay tells her stories, time for a sponsor break. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you use those landing pages and codes to get some good discounts. Okay. Sorry. I have a little burp. Burp away. Okay. There we go. There we go. It's all, it's all good now. Does that happen to you guys when you have like weird travel days and you don't get enough sleep? Your whole clock is off and you're just uh. like burping and kind of nauseous, but for no reason. That's <laughs> what is happening to me. Okay. This black eyed kids, black eyed children's story. Yeah. Dude. 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 Where's your Layla? Uh, or you right, can have, right baby, here, you right have baby Boff. I, I did see like in the Facebook group, some people were really excited that baby Boff and that was back. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see any protests. Okay. All right. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. I don't think black eyed, ch- I didn't think black eyed children were real until I started episode two of Scared to Death. I had <laughs> just started listening to an episode featuring these kids and had to stop for fear of my own experience. When I was 15 years old, me and my mother were driving through a snowstorm in rural Indiana just after dusk. We saw what appeared to be a teenage boy walking with a younger boy. All they had on were ratty old red sweatshirts as they were walking down this country road. As we were about to pass them, my mom quickly stopped the car to see if they needed a ride. The older of the two boys seemed really calm for someone walking through a snowstorm. I thought to myself, He must be on something because all I could see were the black of his pupils. I started shaking despite the heat in the car being on full blast. I felt it like it had stopped as a freezing cold sensation washed over my body. I whispered to my mother, don't talk to them. As the younger boy calmly said that they'd been waiting on a ride, but they wouldn't mind coming with us instead. My mom must have started to feel uneasy, absorbing my apprehension, because she told the boys, well, if you have a ride that's coming for you, that's good, and she sped away. As we sped away, we could no longer see them in our rearview mirror. About a half a mile later, they magically appeared before us again. I knew it was them because they had on those same red, ratty sweatshirts. My mother raced past them and made a quick right turn. Another mile later, we saw the boys again this time just outside of town. I begged my mom to drive faster. She was crying and yelling at me, I'm trying, sis, I'm trying. We made it home with no other sightings. About 9.30 that night, my mother opened the back door to our house to let our dogs out 
when she saw those two boys knocking on the neighbor's door. They saw my mom and began to make a beeline towards our house, screaming, you could have helped us. You could have helped us. My mother hurried the dogs in the house, slammed the door behind her, hysterical with fear. Throughout the night, my mother, my sister, and I all heard sounds coming from our attic, sounds we had never heard before. My stepdad checked several times, but there was nothing to be seen. The next morning, when I let the dogs out, our basset hound brought back a red, tattered sweatshirt from the snow. We stayed home from school and work that day to be close to one another. Thanks for all you do, mother sucker and queen of bad magic. <laughs> Cult member 201, Steph. <laughs> Those are time suck references. Uh, thank you, Steph. Um, I, I just had a, a random weird thought in the middle of that story where it's like, how much would it suck uh, just to be like like you and your brother or whatever? Oh my God. And you're just creepy looking kids. <laughs> like With black eyes uh, <laughs> that are now stuck out in the terrible snowstorm. Right, right, exactly. You have like some kind of like dilated pupil situation that makes your eyes look weird. Oh my God. And maybe just like really pasty skin. Yeah. And you're just like, you just happen to look super, with all these black-eyed children and black-eyed kids stories out there, Yeah, you just happen to look really creepy and you're like, you desperately need a ride or to like get into somebody's house so you can just make a call home or whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and be, house after house was like, get away from us. You're not welcome here. You can't Be gone, demon. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> and obviously if that's not the case, which and I just, don't think it is. No, yeah. Uh, yikes. Yeah. Just that whole, it, it still continues to be just as creepy as when I first heard about it. The concept of a weird kid-looking entity uh-huh. with just dark eyes. And like in pairs? And Yeah, almost. Yeah. I think, I'm trying to think if I've ever heard of a black-eyed children's story where there's not two of them. I think I think that's part of the the rules is that they come in pairs. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's like always a pair of them. Maybe, I feel like there's Which one you, story when there was three of them. Well, it makes, whatever, I don't care if there's three. Yeah. Being in a group makes it worse than there being one. Because like one, I don't know, one of anything feels a little less harmful than yeah. two of something. Yeah, the duo does seem especially creepy. Yep, yep. What about the red <sighs> sweatshirt? Like what a specific yeah, why did it, detail. And why was that left? What, what happened to it? I don't know. What happened the, to the, the end? The sun what to the came creature? up and they melted? Like, I don't know. Or they, or they like just teleported out of here and like not all their stuff goes with them. I don't know. And like, I don't know that I've heard black eyed child, black eyed kid stories where they just keep showing up like that. Mm-hmm. It felt familiar, but not entirely. Yeah. Where they see them out and about and then see them at home later. Well, yeah, but saw them multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. They saw yeah. them what? Mm-hmm. Three times and then saw them at home. The so four house. times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of. I mean, I've definitely, I definitely remember some stories we've gone over where they're like wandering around like a, a neighborhood. Yeah, but not just like ping ponging around like different places in the area. Yeah, just like every mile along the same road. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember some tale like early on that made me very nervous to drive home because I was like, oh boy, if I see any kids walking along the road, yeah, I'm out. Uh, I don't. That story really freaked me out. I just like. Yeah. I yeah. I was trying to think of like it, it, with those stories too, it's always like um they're trying to get in someplace. There's been a few stories where they have gotten in someplace, but they've been disrupted. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're ever gonna hear a story where like they get like they take somebody. Oh, they get in. Like they abduct somebody, they do something Ooh. to somebody. Or maybe those stories, if true, you're never gonna hear about them because the people just don't make it to tell the story. Yeah, because I don't know like how do you get rid of one? Like you, nobody you have knows. to like banish it out? I don't nobody, know. Nobody knows. We know you have to invite it in for it to come in. And I want to say there has been stories where they have gotten into places. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know. 
All right. Well, let's uh, explore some sleep paralysis. Yeah. Hello, Suckmaster and Queen of the Suck. Longtime space lizard and creep since y'all started scared to death. Thank you. Time now for the tale of when Satan came to visit my daughter and I. I had never had an issue with sleep paralysis until we moved into our new house. My nightmares progressively got worse and worse. I would have visions of blood and slaughtered animals in my daughter's closet, all sorts of symbols associated with the perverse side of Satanism. One evening, my husband woke me up from one of my nightmares where he describes me as mumbling and fidgeting a lot. I was crying as he hugged me. I felt three slashes down my back. I pushed my husband off of me only to see a huge black demonic creature in front of me now with wet skin and glowing red eyes. I tried to jump off the bed, but I was too slow and he grabbed me. I was grasping for air and my husband was waking me up again. As before, I gave him a hug and told him what had happened. And then I heard a low, taunting laugh. I knew this wasn't my husband and I tried to run, but was grabbed by my ankle and then the creature sat on my chest, not allowing me to breathe. Once more, I woke up, gasping for air. I had never experienced a dream within a dream, but here I was, hoping it was over. I turned to my husband, punched him awake, and asked, Are you Ryan? He was obviously confused. He tried to hug me, but I resisted, describing to him what had just happened. And before I knew it, he began to change. And not into the creature as before, but as Satan himself, which I can't really describe what he looked like. It was just more of a feeling. Those who experience sleep paralysis may be able to relate to this, but sometimes you are aware you are in the nightmare and are just trying to wake yourself up. I was beginning to feel that. However, I thought I was trapped in the dream within a dream sequence, but was trying my best to escape. I grabbed my Bible and tried to read anything to make it ha- to make it leave, but it was all in Latin and thus illegible. As I ran out of our living room, A Satan grabbed me and pushed me to the floor. He climbed on top of me and and growled at me, I'm going to eat all of your souls. Finally, I woke up in actual reality. My husband said that he could hear me mumbling in Latin. It definitely took me a few hours to settle down and believe that my husband was actually my husband. By now, I'm sure anyone hearing this is thinking, so what? You had a nightmare. And to that, I would agree. Until a few months later, my daughter, who was seven at the time, came into our bedroom in the middle of the night, crying and describing how Satan was in her room. Remember my visions of her closet? Yeah, it completely weirded me out. As a Christ follower, I saw my pastor at the time and we did a special prayer. Lindsay, maybe you would do your voodoo cleansing chakra stuff, which, side note, is why (laughs) I love Time Suck and Scared to Death communities because they're respectful of all communities. Anyways, I do believe in demons and in real evil in this world, but hold fast to not giving them power over me. So I didn't give all of what was happening in my dreams too much attention, which may have led to why one day I woke up in my daughter's bed not knowing how I had gotten there. Sure, I'd had a cocktail or all of them occasionally, but it would have made no sense why I would have chosen to sleep in her bed as we were remodeling her bedroom and her bed was completely covered in stuff. As I woke up that day in the confusion of it all, I heard a demonic voice whisper in my ear, do you believe I'm here now? Needless to say, we don't live there anymore. Live there anymore, we GTFO'd. And I don't struggle with sleep paralysis anymore either. Please keep up the great work. Uh, Lindsay, Dan, and the whole team. <laughs> By the way, Lindsay, you spell your name wrong. You Polish gypsy. <laughs> uh, and no name attached, right? Uh, that is from another Lindsay. Okay, from another Lindsay. Which makes more sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Um, 
You're welcome. <laughs> and thanks, other Lindsay. Oh, she's also said you're welcome. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, interesting that the, the things don't take place once they move. That it's just associated uh-huh. with that address. So I think like a little maybe less sleep paralysis and some like sort of like oppression. Yeah, I do wonder about like, you know, it's like uh, no secret that I'm, you know, not not religious, but I do think sometimes like, okay, every different religion has evil entities, mm-hmm. like all of them. And, yeah. then, and then just, you know, and even people, a lot of people who aren't quote unquote religious, well, I guess I'd be one of them, believe in the in the possibility of like evil entities sure. or, or believe in their reality. I mean, I, I think there's some stuff out there. Uh, and so I, I sometimes I think like, okay, Satan by one name, but, mm-hmm. but could be the same thing and like up, totally. you know, known by other names. I had so many weird thoughts going through my head about like, what could this quote unquote Satan entity be? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had a, I had a couple goofy thoughts. There were scary thoughts. Okay. And then I went goofy and then I went scary again. Uh, when Lindsay I like said, your balance. When, when Lindsay said, um, I can't quite describe <laughs> what it looked like. Uh-huh. For some reason, I imagine like showing her like a lineup of like photos, <laughs> like a police lineup. And my head- Satan lineup. Mm-hmm, and I don't know why my brain went to this. Uh, she She's like, oh my God, that's him. And it's Steve Buscemi. Oh my God, in my mind, I was thinking Gary what? Busey. <laughs> You were thinking about weird I, I was trying to think like, who is he going to say? Who is he going to say? <laughs> oh, I see. I thought you earlier were thinking of Gary no, Busey. No, 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 no. Oh, uh, okay. But you could you can see why I would think that. <laughs> he would make a oh, great Oh, poor scene. Gary. Um, poor Steve. Steve is the nicest man. Oh, I man. know. I don't think he actually looks evil or anything. It was just more like a random reference. Yeah, like, That'd yeah, be yeah. so like, so just ridiculous. Like Steve. And, and then I had another weird series of thoughts where I'm like, okay, these entities that by whatever name that are these evil entities are they just always terrorizing people or or my brain was humanizing them and it's like a job and like you terrorize people for a while like Monsters Inc yeah I guess like Monsters Inc exactly like Monsters Inc and then you have your downtime where they're just that is just Monsters Inc where they're just just like having a life and stuff I forgot I forgot that was the plot of Monsters Inc (laughs) (laughs) which is a great cartoon by the way it's so it's been so long since I've seen it Sully Uh, okay well any other thoughts on that that you want to share no, I, I liked, I mean, I don't know if like is the right word. Sure but, it is. But I <laughs> but I like the detail of just in this place, mm-hmm. her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like that ever happened before. Hasn't happened since. Um, and, and that giving her a reason to think this might be more than nightmares. Well, that's what I think. Mm-hmm, because if you're just having nightmares, I would think that they would follow you from house to house. I also appreciate that she was a smarty pants and immediately got the priest over there, blessed the house. Like she was not messing around. And then as soon as life afforded them the opportunity, they GTFO'd. Speaking of like nightmares and dreams, I know this isn't a scary one, but I keep thinking about the dream I had on the plane today. And it's just like, I just never remember my dreams usually that well. Yeah. And it's such a weird dream. It's so nonsensical to be so powerful. Like like in my head, so real. Do you, will you remember it in just a couple of minutes if I read this yeah, story? Yeah, yeah I, wanna, I can, I can Do you say need it a piece end. of paper? Nope, I'll just remember. Okay, so we'll tell one more tale and then Dan will tell us about his dream. So it's not exciting. If you, if, if you, but if even, you're sick of the chit chat, yeah, we'll get to the next horror story. And then if you're like, this is going to be a stupid dream story, you're right. And you can just skip it. You can skip it. Okay. All right. My last tale is about a uh, haunted funeral home. Okay. Hey, Lindsay, and the wet, hot father daddy of the suck, Dan. Yes. So many time suck fans this week writing in yeah, with all their so little references. Hot, hard father daddies. Uh, Dripping I'm, in paranormal slime. I'm Zane, and I grew up in a funeral home on an Indian reservation. My older brother, Zach, has finally recruited me to write about growing up there since I'm the unofficial family scribe. My dad is a mortician and started his own 
funeral home in the early 2000s while my mom was dying of cancer. Not too long into the start of the business, my mom lost her battle with breast cancer, leaving my dad to raise two young boys while starting a very time-consuming business. Zach and I quickly became latchkey kids at the funeral home. Growing up around death my whole life, I didn't think much about the funeral home in any other way than as my home. I spent years of my life sharing uh, sharing laughs with my brother as we played hide-and-go-seek in the casket room or raced RC cars through the chapel. It's weird to say, but it has always felt normal to me. Then again, I guess there is a reason why I say that hindsight that they say hindsight is 2020. The funeral home is one of the oldest buildings in our small town, rivaling our historic Catholic church. In its past, the funeral home was once a doctor's office, a foster home for kids, a boarding house, and several people's family homes before it became what it is today. So don't go blaming the mortician's family for all the spooky shit inside. Given that it is such an old building, it is one of the it is one of the few three-story buildings in our small town, and each level has its own unique spirit or spirits living there. The first floor is the main portion of the funeral home, so naturally we assume there are several spirits constantly passing through this floor. But that's just business, baby. But it seems that over the years, there have been two spirits that have gotten stuck on this floor. Near the base of the staircase hangs a 10-foot-long gold-framed mirror. This mirror was originally a hot pink mirror that came out of a Seattle brothel that my dad bought at an auction. According to the seller, the mirror sat at the bottom of the stairs in the brothel for the ladies to check themselves over before meeting with a client. For the longest time at the funeral home, the refreshments that we sat out for families were on a hutch directly beneath the mirror. Lots of people came through daily, so we never thought much of the sweets vanishing so fast until one day, when we were closed, we noticed that all the refreshments had disappeared overnight. The building was locked and empty, but still no treats were left on the hutch, not even a crumb. I jokingly blamed the vanishing food on them hungry, hungry hoes, (laughs) which in turn (laughs) made made me suspect number one in the case of the vanishing food. Over the following weeks, though, the treats continued to go missing like clockwork. Put out food by the mirror. Leave. Come back. Food gone. We got the bright idea to move the refreshments away from the mirror and closer to the office, putting it under a more watchful eye. Once the refreshments were moved, lipstick marks started to appear on the mirror. After a while, the lipstick marks calmed down, but still to this day, if you happen to walk by the mirror looking like a snack, you might be greeted by one of the ladies of the night. Then there's the other spirit stuck on the first floor, the mimic. The mimic loves to copy mine and my dad's voices. So far, the mimic is harmless. For some reason, it keeps calling for us to come to the casket room. I have to admit, nothing is creepier than hearing your own voice yell for you from the back of the funeral home. No thanks. I'll stick to my hose in the mirror. (laughs) The second floor of the funeral home has been renovated several times, going from apartments to bedrooms to offices and then to one big apartment, which explains why you will hear the sound of kids running down the old hallway. The kids' footsteps will pass through the walls between the rooms, but still sounds as if the hallway is still there, echoing it back to you. The most popular spirit of the funeral home, in my opinion, is the old man in the rocking chair on the second floor. Admittedly, I'm guilty of spreading this lore in my hometown. In my teen years, during large funerals, I would tell kids about the old man in the rocking chair, how you could see him in the second story window from outside, and how if you didn't behave at the funeral home, he would come and get you. 
Then either me or my brother would put on this old off-brand Freddy Krueger mask and wave to kids outside from the second floor. (laughs) We figured it would be a fun way to get kids to behave at funerals. For years, me and Zach had been doing this bit until one winter day, my dad was out on a death call and Zach was in college in New Orleans. I was alone and out front shoveling snow off the sidewalk when I saw him. The old man in the rocking chair, sitting there in his bib overalls and red flannel, just staring out the window at me. After a freaked out call to my dad, followed by a long conversation with Zach, I was informed that the old man was in fact a real thing and not just a bit we did to scare kids. We theorized that it was the spirit of one of the old boarding house residents. According to Zach, the most common haunting of the old man is the movement of his rocking chair. No matter where on the second floor you might leave that rocking chair, it always mysteriously ended up back in front of the window. And if you happen to take the chair to a different floor, you'll be locked in a bathroom. Trust me, I've been called to break down a door because Zach was trapped inside the porcelain prison. The third floor was Zach's bedroom, and it is believed to be the most haunted level. Being the family scaredy cat, I rarely spent time on the third floor. Zach, as well as another former resident of the room, would tell me stories about a little girl in white that would appear in the early morning, crouch down in a corner, waiting to startle you as you stagger to the bathroom, almost as if it were a game. The girl in white hasn't been seen in years, but the third floor still remains to be a source of hauntings. The third floor scared the resident prior to Zach so badly that he left all of his stuff there and never came back to retrieve it. From what I was told, one night after a long night of partying and debauchery on the third floor, this resident was woken up by being ripped out of his bed by his ankles and then smacked across his ass as if he were being punished. Note that this said resident that was thrown was well over 300 pounds. Honestly, none of that seems weird to me, though. The few times I have spent an extended period of time on the third floor, I have always felt uneasy like I was being watched or listened to. Luckily, Zach has never experienced a late night spanking from the third floor. So either Zach was a good boy, or in my opinion, is just a big old dweeb. So there it is. Those are the alleged hauntings and spirits of our funeral home. I'm sure if you were to ask Zach personally, he would talk your ear off about things that he has seen living there and the many more experiences he's had living in New Orleans. As for my dad, he is a firm believer that none of the spirits exist and that it is all the work of the mythological little people that are out to play tricks on you. What? After writing this and years of reflection, I'm somewhere between Zach and dad's opinions. I believe that the building itself is a mimic and that if you aren't careful, you might just end up speaking your next nightmare into existence. Whoa. Zane. Ooh, thanks, Zane. It's uh, fun. Zane, I think just his writing stuff like that. I feel like Zane's been a fan for a long time. I feel like Zane's maybe written it on Time Suck. I, th- I think I've met Zane. But um, New Orleans is where his brother Zach lives. Uh-huh. Did he? Did Zane say where the funeral home is? I, he, I don't think so. He did. Oh, but but you, I let's discuss off air because I don't know gotcha, if gotcha, that's gotcha, like gotcha. something that they want. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I was thinking like this place, I mean, with the three stories and the crazy like 10-foot mirror from the bordello before and stuff, it sounds like a place where- From the bordello? Uh, 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 bordello brothel? Brothel, same thing. Oh. Yeah, just a different word for it. Oh, um, sorry. I was th- <laughs> In my mind, I made it mortadello, which is a food. Oh, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, yeah. never mind. Ignore me. 
But I was thinking like, man, you could give ghost tours to this place. If, if, oh, if, if it's yeah. like this active and there's so much going on and all these different floors and so many like known spirits. Yeah, but then you probably can't have like a healthy funeral home oh, business. That's yeah. why I don't want to. Totally. That makes sense. Um, I mean, some people wouldn't care, but there would certainly be a contingency of people that would care. That mirror sounds pretty bad. Mirrors do freak me out, but that's, I would want to like see that mirror. That sounds like a, a, a cool antique mirror yeah. with so much history. It's just so big. Yeah. And I think like gold around the edge, like gold well, colors. they painted it gold. It was hot yeah. pink. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I love the missing food. That's so random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. It's funny the way he said that. I know. <laughs> that uh, hungry, hungry hose. Yeah. And then, um, them looking out the window to scare kids, but then like basically like they were mimicking or the building was mimicking them by like there's a spirit that also would be seen there, the old man in the chair. Yep. And then and I don't think uh, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, we've had doppelgangers, obviously, where somebody will think they see their husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, and it's not them. Right. I don't recall a story where someone is hearing their own voice call for them. And That's that, creepy. That particularly freaked me out. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so unsettling. To hear what sounded exactly like you calling for you. Okay, but hear me out. I mean, you, okay, you and I talk for a living. So we're probably like super familiar with the way that our voices sound because we have to like listen to things back. Oh, sure. I don't necessarily know that I would immediately know the sound of my own voice. Oh, otherwise. You know, because like when you leave a voicemail or like you would hear yourself on an answering machine, you'd be like, oh my God, that's what I sound like. Yeah. We don't sound the way we think we sound. Yeah, true. So. Huh, yeah. It might take a minute for it to register. I mean, once it does, yeah, creepy, but I don't know if it would have an immediate spoop factor for me. And I like the concept of a um, a house that can mimic you. Yeah, a whole house. Wouldn't that uh-huh. be terrifying? Like, like a haunted house where the, the house itself, there's some presence in the house or, or attached to the house or whatever that just brings whatever you fear to life. So yeah. like whatever would scare you, that's what you're going to see. That sounds ah, like a great horror movie. That probably, might, there's probably I think been horror movies. I think, horror I think movie. it is. I think there might be horror movies like that. Um, yeah. when he, when he was talking about the little girl that would like creep in the corner or whatever. Uh-huh. So this weekend, Dan and I were out of town and, uh, we went to dead and co and I may or may not oh, have yeah, yeah, microdosed. Yeah. And it, when you microdose, it takes a lot longer to hit because it's capsules. And that yeah. night I was having the most intense, like there is something in our room. Yeah. I heard voices. I heard music. I thought there was a little girl in our room. I was, and, I was struggling. And you didn't even microdose this. You took a, a, a decent like dose, not a crazy dose, but a decent yeah. dose. But, but because of those capsules, it's just like. We, it hit me way too late. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. Or. It takes a while for your stomach acid to, to dissolve but, uh, the But according to the interwebs, yeah. it can hit within, thir- it should hit within 30 minutes to an hour. If it's the plant. But if you have. No, from capsules. Huh, well, I, I didn't about, think your stomach ate through it that fast. Well, think about like when you eat food and then 30 minutes, you have to go to the bathroom. True. I know I know that that super delayed hit though is, I've only heard it happening from capsules, not from like raw plant. I mean, it has happened to me before when your sister and I went to Arizona together. Yeah, with capsules, yeah. And we were like, God, we're just not feeling anything. We just kept taking them and taking them and taking them and taking them until the fire alarm. And then we were like, this is dumb. Yeah. Nothing's happening. We went to bed opposite ends of the house. And then like the battery in the, fire alarm was beeping to tell us to replace it. And then after that, oh buddy, it was rough trying to go back to sleep. <laughs> but I hadn't messed around with the plant enough yet to like understand what was happening. I was like, oh man, I'm just having a rough, I'm just freaked out in this Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. So my, yeah. So I, uh, and my dream was just, yeah, yeah. Just this morning. I, I didn't have any weird dreams that night. Um, that no, I but your body was weird. 
I know, I guess it's twitchy. So twitchy. But yeah, I almost never remember dreams and I just fell asleep on the plane today. And it was so vivid and so random. I just love like, why was my, why did my brain go there? It was just you and me. It was a beautiful summer day and we were in a truck. It wasn't my truck, but I was driving a truck up some like uh, road in central, looked like central Idaho or maybe even around here, like out in the woods. Yeah. But more, actually more like, more like the Salmon River Canyon where I grew up, but more trees around it. And there was this like big uh, rest, not even rest area, like a uh, forest service mm-hmm. parking lot, camping area. And we parked the truck there and there's a bunch of other trucks, like super crowded actually. And we get out and there's a really steep bank and there's a rope going down to a, a grassy slope that then goes into the river. And there's a bunch of rocks, like shallow kind of part of the river where you can see like the rocks and stuff at the bottom. Yeah. And there's a ton of just, and no kids, just only grown men that are hanging just around me, this. You me and, and you a bunch of grown and men. And a bunch of grown men, like big dudes, beards and stuff. Safe. And, and, everybody, safe. and everybody wants to go down the rope. And there's, a, there's an attendant who monitors the rope at the bottom to make sure that just not doing it willy-nilly. Thank God they have the rope attendant. Uh-huh. So you got to climb down the rope. And then I remember this dude, big dude with the beard goes in front of me and he climbs down the rope. And, the, <laughs> and then comically, I see him. He never falls down. He's on his feet, but he's like, he's surfing down the grass and just in bare, bare feet really fast, too fast to happen in real life. And then shoots out into the water. And then I'm like, ooh, that must've tore up his feet. And then he's just back with us. And you and, you and I were talking about his feet and we're debating if we should go down the rope or not. I was worried about your um, shoulders and your hands not being strong enough for the rope. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. And it's, but it's so vivid. I'm like, what does any of that have to do with anything? Okay, okay, okay. Here, recently, yeah, we talked about maybe this was just like somewhere in your subconscious, yeah. Uh, somewhere near Riggins, okay. A young girl was driving herself, her brother, and her dad home, oh, yeah. from a long road trip. She fell asleep at the wheel and drove their truck off the road, and they all died. But this was a happy dream. No one was dying. I know, but I'm just saying, like that, like that piece yeah. of it, like it doesn't have to all be exact replicas of life. So, like maybe that's like floating. I think somewhere it's around a, there. Where had you like? I don't it's know. It's a vision. It's 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 oh. it's something telling me I got. To, I have to find this rope river paradise place. Can I interpret your dream for you? Sure. Yes. Sure. That dream. I, yeah. I feel this in my heart of hearts. <laughs> means you know the earth is trying to tell you that right now the moons are aligned. And that the stars want you to know huh? that you're going to have a really good time at summer camp. Boom. Stay woke. <laughs> you got the slip and slide that we saw. The guy stood yeah. up in the slip and slide. Oh, yeah. You got the ropes course. You got the you got the beach. Summer the camp. Water. So let's go. Stay woke. You know what? Maybe it's maybe it's a summer camp thing. Yeah, I like it. I like what Tyler's saying. Fine. Summer camp. Tyler wins. I'm excited for summer camp. Summer camp. Summer camp. Summer camp. I love summer camp. I Who's love, coming to summer camp? Who's coming to summer camp? Who's coming to Tummer Tamp? <laughs> Who's coming to Tummer Tamp? Who's going to be there? All right. Tickets are still on sale. You ready? You ready? You ready to uh, thank some Annabelles? I am. I'll go first. Okay. Do okay, it. fine. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting Dan's Bizarre Dreams. Huh. Morgan Chafalo, Riley Hindle, Chris Cecil, Holden Toke. Holden Toke. Okay. Holden. Holden Toke. Well, no, it's like Holden, H-O-L-D-E-N. I know, but they're trying to say Holden. I know. Yeah. I was trying to see if, like, how far I could take it with you. <laughs> Haley Jenkins, The Great Jazz B, Travis Jacobs, George Smith, Taylor Shellhase, and Zio's Cipher. Cipher. Cipher? Cipher. I would like to thank the following Annabelles. Rachel Hyenga, Rachel Rotert, or Rotaire, maybe the T is silent. Kyle Pat, Pate, or Pate. Uh, Kyle Pate Kyle Pate uh, Broken Jade Hammond 
Did you, did you what? Broke. B R O K E. Brooke. Oh, it's, did you maybe Brooke? Brooke. Okay, but you've spelled it broke. But she likes it that way. Okay. Count Cracula. Love that one. Uh, Josie Rumberg. Cervix Masher. I didn't mess that up. That's real. Janice Chavez. Uh, Jenny Coffey. And Edgar Lara. Jenna, was it Jenna Coffey? Jenna Coffey. There, we also have like a Marilyn Coffey who is like a frequent fan. And I'm like, are you guys related? Maybe. Because that doesn't feel like the spelling of the last name is not. It's like. C-O-F-F-E-Y. Uh-huh, and that's how I think Marilyn spells it as well. Anywho's. Did you guys get the cervix? What, what is a cervix? A cervix? Isn't that a body part? Cervix smasher sounds sexual. Oh, oh. oh it's Sir Hetalarius. S. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, well, <laughs> that was well hidden. It's Sir, S I R, new word, Vix, V I C K S, dash, masher, cervix smasher. Well done, sir. Well done, ma'am. Well done. Yeah. Whomever you are, <laughs> that well slipped played. right by me. Well, I want you to know that when I was reading it, I was like, cervix masher. That is and clever. What I was thinking, I was like, boy, they really love Vix Favor. Uh-huh. The way they wrote that. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, they're, they're right. smashing that Vicks vapor rub right up their nose. Knock it right in there. Good job. Good job. I'm glad you said something, Dada, because otherwise I'm sure we got messages like, dude. Bruh. How did you miss that? Teamwork, guys. Teamwork. <laughs> Teamwork words make dreams. Dream, I can't speak. Teamwork makes a dream. <laughs> That's what I was going for. I'm delirious from our weekend. Okay. I have a few spooky shout outs okay. if you don't mind. To Monkey Butt from Mama Bear. Happy birthday, sweet girl. Stay weird. Stay happy. Cute. Stay you. To Megan from Megan. Congrats on two years sober. And she wanted to give a little bit of context. And I thought this was really beautiful. Huh. She said, um, I've dealt with depression and addiction for my most of my life. Scared to death helped me with staying sober. I'd listen to it while I'd cook. And I found out I love cooking and baking. I'm now a head baker at a great wow. small bakery. And I literally love my job. It's also been your content. Uh, I'm sorry. It's also been your constant focus on mental health that got me into therapy when I was at my lowest. So wow. fucking lots of high fives to you, Megan. And thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. Um, and to Daniel from another Megan. Happy birthday. So many Megans. Megan, 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 Megan. Congrats uh, on the head baker job. That sounds cool as shit. Yeah. Uh, oh. We're watching Bear right now. Oh, and so, the bear is so good. I don't know anything about running restaurants. Oh, but, but, boy. Oh, my gosh. It's so intense. It's so intense. Like, I worked at, like, a not even Ooh. a mid-level restaurant. I worked at, like, an Applebee's-type restaurant, and that, that shit was intense. So, yeah. watching that, I'm like, oh, buddy. Uh, it's so cool. I, I have a lot of respect for, like, uh, cooks, bake. I mean, people in the food service in general, like how hard that job is. But then also, like, um, I'm just not good at it. Yeah, like, you're not a good multitasker. No, I'm not a good cook or baker and stuff. And so people who can do it really well and they're just whipping around in there and dashing this and throwing this and testing this with a little toothpick or whatever, and it all comes out delicious. Like, uh, good for you. The idea of you in a kitchen, I just feel like after five minutes, like a industrial yeah. nah, uh, commercial I, kitchen, I wouldn't hack it. Oh, no. And also, like, all that sound and stimulation, you wouldn't be able to handle all the different noises. And it'd be like one of those like car- it, would ups- it would upset you. It'd be, like, <laughs> it'd be like one of those cartoons when the person, like, runs and jumps out the window, and then there's, like, a, bri- uh, a hole in the window in the shape of their body, <laughs> and then they just keep on running down the street. That would be me in, like, a high-pressure kitchen. I'm like, ah! And I just, like, run and just, like, throw myself out the window, and there'd just be that little impression of me, and then I'd be running down the street. Oh, man, speaking of kitchens, we uh, was it last month that we donated to Big Table? Oh, they came by and they're Those, so cool. They came by. They're so cool. Yeah. They like have such a passion for what they're doing. Uh, if you guys are, are, if you're in the hospitality industry or 
I have friends or family. I, I feel like we all know somebody in that industry. They have several different locations uh, around the country. And it's just such a cool charity, nonprofit, helping people in that industry, like really focusing on mental health. And just, yeah. I don't know. It's They are such good people. They are. They are like super cool people. Super, super cool. Doing really good work out there. And like not for any reason other than they just saw a need. Yeah, so, really so, beautiful. So thanks for helping us, or you're not even helping us. Thanks for giving us all of the donation to them. Thanks for giving us your money so that we can put it to good use. Seriously. Yeah. And that is our show. Thanks you. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith, Tyler C for the work on social media along with Ryan Handelsman, Logan again, running badmagicmerch.com, Tyler C, producing and directing today, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing my story emails, book editor Drew Atana for his work on book number four coming out now. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding that first tale, the only tale I told. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you'd like to watch the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. See pics that accompany episodes. Yeah, at, go look at those creepy-ass fish. Yeah, at Scared to Death Podcasts. <sighs> Same handle for TikTok where we have uh, show highlights and other little random clips. And if you don't want more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes and more, check out our Patreon. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. Sir Vic Smasher. I didn't mess that up. That's real. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.